What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot podcast, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. From celebrity interviews to in-depth coverage of what's poppin' in film, TV, books, Broadway, music, and the internet, the Parting Shot podcast is your one-stop shop for everything pop culture. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Have you ever fantasized about what it would be like to fall in love with a celebrity? You know you have. I mean, I have. Well, Rose Matafeo does just that in HBO Max's Starstruck. The New Zealand comedian plays Jessie, a young woman in London juggling dead-end jobs who unknowingly hooks up with a celebrity, a movie star named Tom. The second season of the comedy series, which also co-stars Minnie Driver, premieres Thursday, March 24th on HBO Max. I spoke with Rose, who was also a creator and writer on the series, about what inspired the show, her celebrity crushes, and our shared love of the Shirley MacLaine film, What a Way to Go. That's what people usually do on a first date. You've never been on a first date before? No. I actually prefer just to bump into someone, like, a number of times over the course of a year and then just sort of not get on a plane for them. You stayed for Tom. I didn't stay for anyone. Well, you quit your job, you moved out of your flat. Seeing someone new, actually. She's not an actress, is she? No. Okay, so she's funny. Is she not hot? She looks very smart. Things are moving quite fast, though, aren't they? I mean, that is how it goes with his lot. You asked for it, honey. (laughs) Wow, yeah, a sentence every woman loves to hear. Your girlfriend wasn't here tonight. You're embarrassed of me, and I get it. I'm not embarrassed of you. You should be with someone who is more like you. So, Rose, the show is so fantastic. It's kind of like everyone's dream in a way. I mean, it's <laughs> like for me, I was thinking when I was watching it, I was like, what celebrity, what childhood celebrity that I had a crush on would I love to hook up with? And I'm just going to say it, Tom Cruise. That was my childhood celebrity. Really? Tom Cruise, yes. That's really interesting because I feel like, did you not sense, even as a child, his, like, intense energy? Like, what was it that made you... Well, it wasn't so much... I didn't know anything about Tom Cruise. It was just Jerry Maguire. And I think I just wanted to be... I more so wanted to be Renee Zellweger than I wanted to be with Tom Cruise. Do you feel me? Totally. No, 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 Charlotte. And actually, I think out of all of the kind of Tom Cruise roles, Jerry Maguire, obviously. Like, I think that that... It's a dangerous blueprint for the type of men you'd be attracted to, though. Of like, yeah. <laughs> trust me, I know. I feel like I'm. I, know. I feel like I'm scarred from all of the the guys I had crushes on um, in films, like because hmm. those have become the prototypes of the people I've been attracted to as an adult. Like, I was thinking the other day because I'm I'm doing this thing at a cinema where I'm showing all of the films of my of my childhood that I loved, yeah. and I'm showing Mannequin. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I know. I know. Blast from the past, hey, right? Who did you like, though? Did you? I mean, did, did... not James Fader in those weird glasses. Okay. 
But although he was, he's much hotter and uh, pretty in pink. But no, um, Andrew McCarthy, of course, Andrew yeah. McCarthy. I, I got, I got obsessed with him as like something special, you know, eleven-year-old. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, and he's like really gross. But then, like, he's really gross and toxic in um, San Elmo's Fire. He's just like, <laughs> dude, run as far as you can in that. But then, and he's great and pretty in pink. But anyway, he yeah. um now now i'm just i have crushes on people and that's the prototype like, that's the type of man that you would find it yeah if only, if only andrew mccarthy knew that he's well, the prototype what i think is so incredible about your show is that it is kind of our childhood selves living out that sort of dream although your character didn't know it at first like of being with a movie star like what what inspired you what inspired this show first off um well i mean honestly it was it was a at a point where i i was doing stand-up in the uk i'd moved to the uk and uh, was trying to think of um, ways in which to write something for television that would be, I don't know, good for me to do, fun for me to do. Yeah. Um, and then the idea for doing a rom-com kind of came about. And uh, I think it was looking back on the kind of shows that I did stand-up wise, like very much was in my wheelhouse of talking about love and relationships and romance and all of that. So it was kind of a natural choice of, of I guess, genre to explore. Yeah. And, um, and then I think, I think it was just a, I think particularly being from New Zealand um, and who I am, putting myself and to, to play a character in the position of uh, being with someone wildly famous, which is sort of the opposite end of of, of her experience and mm-hmm. um, something really fun to play with of of, of a, a character who's so unimpressed with fame and like it's it's sort of a massive downside about him not a great thing about him yeah because i think that's true of any fantasy of of you know um dating someone famous it's not that you want to date someone famous it's what because you want to date someone that you just like fell in love with because of who they were on screen and i think um i think that's what you know the show kind of explores is actually the annoying reality of having to date someone who's who's rather famous and how that kind of you know, just ma- magnifies every little insecurity. And then it's like a whole nother relationships are, are hellish anyway, let alone, you know, when you have this added layer of insecurity of this person's yeah. wildly famous. Especially if like, I mean, I found at least, you know, I live here in LA and I am in comedy. And so I'm around friends who are sort of famous. And that moment where someone sees that famous person you're out with, and then they, the, the person, gives you the phone to take the picture as if you're automatically the person yeah. who should yeah yeah, yeah. The picture. you know you know what it's like you're yeah. a fan as well yeah. no I'm, I'm i'm their i'm their friend for god's sake yeah. yeah i mean it's such a funny thing i think yeah i mean la is the, you know it's an inc- a great example of a place where it's like you're so aware of um when people who have no idea who you are yeah. they're 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 kind of in love and obsessed with the idea of a version of you, the idea of you, the concept of you, if you're, um, you happen to be a, you know, famous or a celebrity, but mm. actually being, I think I can, I can't imagine being in a relationship with an actual celebrity would be at all enjoyable. It would be, yeah. it would be hellish. Yeah. Some yeah. of them are nightmares. Yes. A lot, actually, a lot of them are nightmares to be fair. Yes. I have, I have a story about someone who was on Mad About You. But I'm not going to share it now. I'll tell you off air. But it was a whole yeah, moment and involved a shoe. A, it involved a shoe in New York. Oh, shit. So that's all I'm saying. Um, so Live for that. how much of your character is similar to you? Because it is very much on brand with your comedy and your stand up. So like, where is the similarities between the two? 
I think I think they're very much you know uh, I mean, it's hard to just hard to suggest that a um a character that's you know in her late twenties from New Zealand who lives in London is a massive stretch for me <laughs> uh, a real transformative role. I um I think though there are really there are there are differences in that. I think she's a much more confident person than I am. I think she's much more impulsive than I am, uh, or maybe confident in her impulses. I think she uh, th- but I do think her confidence and her sort of love for life and living is is very um, different to mine. I'm I'm I'm. Uh, tend to, to dwell in the melancholy of, of you know, mm-hmm. of every comedian, you know, yeah. that kind of space a lot. Yeah. And I don't think Jessie is a character like that. I think she's very principled and um, she she knows who she is and she's quite, quite confident in herself, whereas I am a person who will change everything about my personality just for someone to like them for <laughs> 10 minutes maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there are actually, there. it's kind of a weird sort of thing writing a character who you are, you, you're playing slightly with aspirational qualities sometimes and it's kind of like it's like kind of almost like an alter ego thing of like I wish I did that in that situation or but when she messes up I go I can completely understand how she got to that because I Mm -hmm. I um I have a lot of love for a lot of the things a lot of the times when Jessie messes up I'm the one the loudest one in the writer's room like defending her (laughs) (laughs) you don't know you don't understand man that's something I wanted to ask you. Does it like, does the writing of it, I'm just imagining if I was writing a character for myself like this, I would A, write a scene with Brad Pitt and B, like, do you find it, you change the way you write based on how you'll act? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I definitely wrote myself into the scene with Mini Driver for the second series, <laughs> like not an idiot. Like, why did I write that with Nikesh? Yeah. For the first series. Yeah, I will be in that scene, thank you, for the yeah. second series. I think there are there are liberties you take as a writer and who is in control, I think, of, you know, literally the narrative of your character. Yeah. Um uh but I, I'm so lucky because I've got two other writers in the second series, you know, Alice Sneddon and Nick Sampson, who who are the ones to check me. They know me, they've known me for many years. Uh and I've said this before of, you know, I'll write things and I'll go, oh, but I'll, I'll think ahead to when we film it and go, Oh, I don't want to be wearing that. Oh no, I don't want to be. Oh, do I have to do that? I have to be standing up that long. Oh no, maybe we could just rewrite that. And um, they very quickly remind me that I need to check myself and be a writer in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but there are definitely like there's massive advantages to it in the sense that like I've you know performing stand up for so long, I know perhaps you know where I my limitations and also my. Yeah you know, the things that I can, I think I can do or, or uh, enjoy doing. So um, I definitely write towards those things. Definitely wrote in a massive fall in the second series because I just wanted to do that. And I think falling down's funny. I'm very good at falling down. I do it all. Oh, they're just yeah. so much fun. It, I, I mean, unless you're in a crowd, in front of a crowd, which I have also done too, which oh is not as fun <laughs> you know i do it's so uh, I, I, I don't really fall fully fall down in, in public that much anymore um although sometimes but some, i often trip because i've got massive feet and i always like Dang. wear massive doc martin platform boots yes yeah, i always i don't know if anyone else does this but yeah when you when i trip up and i'm i'm, I'm alone i do like a little laugh to myself oh yeah just so if anyone's looking at me it's for them not me it's yeah. for them to know she's okay yeah <laughs> okay. she's, she's fine with that she's not embarrassed 
Yeah, I have the one line whenever I fall in my platform, Doc Martens. Yeah, I'm yeah. always like, gravity. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like a stupid shrug. Who cares? Gravity. We all fall. We all trip sometimes, we all guys. Fall. Well, so last season, you know, we, Tom and Jesse definitely had a moment. And where, going into this next second season, where do we find them? Where is their relationship? Well, I mean, we, we start smack bang right in the middle of the end of the sixth episode. Not the middle, rather. It's basically starts the moment after the uh, first series ends. So it's on the bus and she's just uh, not gotten off the bus um, to travel back to New Zealand to, to live. She's just impulsively stayed on, which is, you know, a sort of grandiose rom-com moment. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. The end of a, at the end of a story. To begin a story there is quite hectic. And I think um, <laughs> it's basically, you know, she has in the first episode a day-long nervous breakdown and which she says that it finishes, you know, that at the end of that day. It doesn't. It continues for six episodes. Yeah. Um, and I think it's sort of just the reality of, of actually being in a relationship and trying to begin a relationship with that person. And I always felt like it was a funny twist that, you know, you, you sort of assume the protagonists of a rom-com um, uh, actually, you know, always has wants a relationship, but it t- does turn out Jesse is terrible at relationships and yeah. kind of, yeah, kind of a nightmare. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, and that's been really fun to play and really fun to write. I think really fun mm-hmm. to write to, towards, you know, there's nothing funnier than seeing someone have a moderate nervous breakdown. Over yeah. the I mean, breakdowns can be funny. Diane Keaton, oh, great. With breakdown. love, with Come love, with light, with knowledge, with personal yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. Become comedy. Fully. So now rom-coms and Starstruck is sort of a nice little, I guess, love letter in a way to rom-coms in that it is... There is a lot of joy and fun to be had in rom-coms and it's, and it's, it's sort of, people call it a guilty pleasure, but I don't really feel that guilty about loving a rom-com. Like what were some of the rom-coms you mentioned mannequin before, which is a great rom-com, although it's sort of like a different kind of rom-com. What are yeah, some of the rom-coms? Kind of rom-com where he has sex with a mannequin, which is, um, you know, no, no yeah, judgment, no judgment, no judgment here, no judgment. <laughs> but what are some that influenced Starstruck? Well, I mean, to be honest, I'm a bit starstruck because like, I know that you 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 interviewed Renee Zellweger, didn't you? Yes, um, I have. Because yeah. yeah. she is she's sort of patron saint of rom-coms for me because I'm um, Bridget Jones was like... Was, I geeked was, out so hard. Yeah, it's... Oh, it's... I don't know what for, what I'd do. My my agent saw her um, in Notting Hill um, uh, ordering a juice because we, when she was filming Judy, I think, and I was like, I got I got stressed even just hearing that story second <laughs> I was like, what? Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I I have such love for, for that character. I think she yeah. was just a phenomenal, phenomenal character. Like, and so like, you know, when I was growing up, I, I love that film so much. I think, um, so Bridget Jones, I, um, I mean, nor, every Nori Efron film, basically, when oh. Harry Mazzelli is one of the best film, well, probably the best film. I mean, Nora my favorite. Efron in general. Um, one of the best. Yeah, I think Nor- and and fucking I'm a Nancy Myers gal. I love a Nancy <laughs> Myers. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge like I watched something's got to give the other day and I was like, sorry, this is the best film of all time. Diane Keaton is yeah. so funny and is a comic genius. Yeah. Um and then I love a lot of 60s film. Like I I love a lot of classic film. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, Rosalind Russell. I love, you know, Barbara Stanwyck. I love 
Catherine Hepburn films. Have you ever watched What a Way to Go? Stop it. No, I'm not going to stop it. it. I'm going to lean into it. I... I want to show you, I, I literally just ordered What A Way To Go, the, the, you know, the what? long poster of it. I'm getting it framed. It's I'm obsessed iconic. with What A Way To Go. It's everything that there ever could be in a film. It is so good. It I is- recommend that to every Thank single you. person. Same, same. Every single Sorry, person. Sorry, Dick Van Dyke, Dean Martin, yes. Robert Mitchum, Gene and Kelly, Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. Paul Newman it's- in a bathtub. Oh, it's unreal. It's like... The weirdest film ever. It makes no it's sense. Like, it makes like no a, sense, but it's just, so I'm so happy. I am, you're like the one of the first people who even knows what I'm talking about when, when I, wow. and I got, oh, you'll love the poster that I've got. It's, um, it's, it's stunning, but um, you need to be talking to more over, overweight gay men because they love, <laughs> they I love what a way to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is the best. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, no. Oh, oh, that, that makes me so happy. That makes okay. me so happy. Well, I wanted to ask you about speaking of, you know, just loving people, Mini Driver, Mini mm-hmm. Driver. I mean, Oscar nominated Mini Driver. I feel like if you have an Oscar nomination, it comes before your name, like, like a, like a, Boys. you would say lady or dame or whatever. <laughs> um, She is so good in this show. She is so incredible. She is so funny. What was yeah. it like knowing that, Minnie Driver was cast in this show and and then working with her. And how did you keep it together? Oh, well, I mean, like I we actively pursued Minnie Driver. I was the one who was writing the letter to Minnie Driver going, please, we love you. I love everything you've done. You know, being like, I, I, I think I mentioned in the letter, I was like, I just watched Phantom of the Opera again for the first time in ages. <laughs> and you're like the funniest thing ever in that film. Well, she is. She's like the best thing she in is. that film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... I think just it was it was unreal that day that she the first day she did on the first series was everyone was like many drivers here guys yeah Karen Main who was the director of the first series and Alice and me were just like I can't believe this is happening and the best thing is that you know you actually meet you meet a person who you you know from you know all of the films that you've grown up on and and all that and um they're not a dick they're actually Mm -hmm. quite cool and very funny and it's a it's a terrifying thing it's like a hard thing to come into a series like that which you know um the shoot is very fast everything happens very quick we're not the most high budget you know show that you'll ever watch and she just like comes in and just like nails it does so much funny improv like and then the second series too it's like she's there's a scene with um alice snedden who's you know the writer of the show they just we had extra time at the end of the day and we're like okay so i guess minnie and alice just do a scene just just do a scene just do a, just make up a scene and because they're both so funny like they just absolutely nailed it so it was yeah there was definite um like it's, it was surreal i think yeah. it was it was a very surreal thing as a person who uh, is it is a very strange thing to like um be <laughs> be in the biz be in showbiz mm-hmm. or like you know like perform and and, like, and and begin to be in things where you're meeting people who i don't know you just totally like geek out about like mm-hmm. i was such a fan i mean i'm just i'm an i'm a freaking nerd from you know yeah from new zealand and i think it's uh i never uh, i never get over the the moments where you meet someone who um you, you just absolutely love and like yeah know everything about and have seen them in a million million films and it's uh and she's tall yeah she's so tall she's so what that's amazing actors (laughs) are so tiny you know this living in our 
Yeah. It's a tiny mini tiny, driver tiny is people. gorgeous and tall. And yeah. oh, I love that about her. Yeah. Well, I need to ask you, my last question for you is I, I would imagine, I mean, you, you obviously started in New Zealand you've done the comedy in London and now you've gone international. And <laughs> I, I would, I, my, my first instinct is to ask you like, what's the difference between comedy and like in New Zealand versus like, in the US because having a lot of international friends, I know that you guys can get a little bit more raunchier than we can, or we do oftentimes here. But I also want to ask you, how annoyed are you by people asking you what comedy is like in New Zealand? Because I feel like that probably happens a lot. <laughs> I think so. I mean, like more so when I'm, you know, talking about stand-up stuff or all of that. But no, it is funny. It's funny that you even say that because I mean, um I didn't I didn't realize that, you know, we are a bit more blue as you would say or raunchy yeah. and easy. like like it's it's not until like you know the show has gone out in um in the u.s or even like my stand-up show horn dog you know went out in the u.s that i realized i was like oh i swear a lot and i talk about sex a lot mm. and i talk about things that you wouldn't yeah i don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. as we're coming with all of that stuff and and um yeah it's uh so i think i think there is definitely difference there are differently differences there but I think I, I came up at a time, you know, stand up, you know, I started when I was a teenager, but it was sort of a time in which stand up was becoming more and more accessible. You know, YouTube was a thing. I feel so old yeah. though. The fact I that like, the, the, just to say that like, I remember when YouTube was invented. Yes. Yeah, same. I know. It's an, what it, the hell is that? It's really annoying even just to think about it. Cause it just makes me feel so bad. You know, when you remember when you like, sometimes I go back and watch YouTube videos. That I, like I remember like loving as a teenager and stuff. And then you'll see it. It's just, it's just like, this was 13 years ago. Yeah. 13 years ago, this video was uploaded to YouTube. And I'm then sorry. you wonder, and then you oh. wonder, I, I, I did an interview recently with Jabari Banks. He stars in the Bel Air sitcom on Peacock yeah, yeah. and or drama series on Peacock. And he was telling me he was born in 1998 that he didn't even like have any of those things. And I'm thinking like, you literally like you, I, what was I watching when I was 13 years ago? And I was like yeah. an adult watching these things or a teenager watching these things. Yeah. And like, this was, there was a kid out there who just grew up on all of it. Blows me away. It blows I think me it's because also like, I think, I think uh, I, and I've talked about this in my, um, my standup like a little bit and that I think, beyond Gen X, Gen Z, Z, Gen Y, whatever, they're, I think the most um, important, the most important generational gap is like, is like when the internet became really, readily yeah. available to, to everyone. That's actually the way bigger chasm, yeah. I think, of understanding. And it really of, is YouTube. References. YouTube. It is YouTube. YouTube was the Honestly. instigator for so much social, for so much internet activity. I feel like that's 100%. the marker. 100%. So, Yes. Anyway, there's a tangent to say that I, I, I was, I think, exposed to, you know, a lot of international comedians, like through that kind of stuff on the internet. Yeah. So I think um, it's not too much of a stretch to be able to, you know, tailor stuff to, 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 to suit different crowds. But yeah, I yeah. definitely do swear a lot less um, in America when I'm on stage. <laughs> well, if we ever encounter each other, please just call me every name in the book. I will Right. Commit and love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot podcast. If you like what you just heard, and you got this far, so I hope that you did, please leave a little rating and review and share it on social media. 
You can also follow me at H. Allen Scott on everything. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all social platforms. Stick around tomorrow for my chat with Bridgerton star Simone Ashley. And on Friday, I'll be talking all things Oscars. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? What to watch out for? And so much more. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you get it the second it drops. Until then, grab a snack, watch something fun, and have a great day. Thank you.